the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Oh, Tyson, I'm so excited about our first or about our guest today. It, he authored one of the very first marketing books that I bought when I opened my firm. If you look at it, well, I guess we're not going to, yeah, we might show the video, but I have notes in there of, that I've actually outlined and underlined. I mean, I learned concepts in here that we take for granted for now, or that we take granted now, but that at the time I read them, they seemed absolutely mind-blowing. I, I even have on the underneath the duct tape marketing system, which the, the, the name of the book is duct tape marketing, and our guest is John Janch, and I'll get into all of it later, but I'm just shocked knowing how little I usually outline and underline things, how much how much I've incorporated John's message into our practice here. So, John Janch, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. John, I, this is actually a really good treat for me and Jim because Jim and I were talking about your book, and I don't, I don't know if you remember this. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know if you see the actual covers of your books and feel them. I remember getting a copy of your book whenever I was an undergrad, and like it had like a texture on the outside of it. It, it wasn't, it wasn't sticky like duct tape. It was like it was just it was raised a raised cover, and I always remember yeah. I had it on my shelf for years. And I loved it. I actually sold it on Amazon a few years ago, but it, it was a, an amazing book. I mean, it's so, I mean, I'm sure you probably hear this all the time, but it just really was a really good book. And so how did you get into to, to writing these really good books and becoming this, this marketing guru? Well, I actually started my own marketing consulting firm going on 30 years ago now, and it really was just, hey, I can hustle work. Who needs, you know, stuff done? I mean, I didn't have any real plan necessarily, but I was good at hustling work. And, you know, I, Couple of years into it, five years into it, maybe I found, I landed a couple of small business clients who wanted me to kind of do their whole thing, you know, instead of just projects. So I took it on, and it's like, you know, I can do that, sure. But I found that they were kind of difficult to work with. I mean, they had, uh, you know, no attention span, and and you know, the same problems as the much bigger firms I've been working with, but of course, no budget. So I decided that if I was going to work with small business owners, I was going to have to figure out a way where I could uh, I could package it up and go, you know, here's what I'm going to do, here's what you're going to do, here's the results we hope to get, by the way, here's what it costs, you want it or not. And to my surprise, I found that in trying to address my frustration, I actually tapped into what is still today one of the greatest frustrations for small business. It is hard and getting harder <laughs> to buy marketing services as a small business because there's so many platforms, so many details, so many things they need to know about. 
And if they just abdicate that to somebody, you know, they're going to get ripped off, or at least that's the feeling. And so there's there's a lot of kind of, it's almost like a feeling, a loss of control of what to do with marketing today. So that was really the genesis of duct tape marketing. I mean, I, I gave um, the the my my approach that name because I wanted something more productized, you know, brand sounding. I started writing about it. That was about the time when when we all started going online to to get information and to buy products and services and training. That turned into uh, my first book, which was called Duct Tape Marketing. I'd been writing about it for years. I really just assembled it into <laughs> to the book. Uh, you know, it was kind of a distillation of what I'd been doing for years. I started attracting actually independent marketing consultants as well. And so now we have a, a network of duct tape marketing consultants around the world, uh, really working with thousands of small businesses at uh, pretty much any given time. Continue to write, continue to write books. As uh, Jim mentioned, my, my latest book came out a couple months ago called The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, which is a definite swerve uh, for me, you know, out of, you know, pure marketing how-to, but it's uh, seemed like the right time in my career to to kind of share what my entrepreneurial journey's been in a way that I think can be helpful to you know many of the, the entrepreneurs that I've worked with over the years. John, one of the things in duct tape marketing that really struck me back when I read this about 10 years ago was this statement when you said, without a need or a problem, you don't really have a market. And I define problem yeah. for our purposes very broadly to include needs and wants, and that our job is to identify and acknowledge what we're really selling. Yeah. Talk to, us a bit, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, no question. I mean, a lot of people just want to say, you know, here's what we sell, here's the product we make, here's the solution we offer. And in many cases, well, first off, let's just be blunt. Nobody wants what we sell. <laughs> you know, they want their problem solved. In fact, there are a lot, of, a lot of businesses where they rather not have to do business with us or buy our product category, but they do it because it solves a problem. And I think that the businesses that are very good at articulating the problem they really solve, and it can be goofy things. I mean, I, we have a tree service that we work with that uh, over the years that, you know, time and time again, every one of their reviews said something like, well, they show up when they say they're going to, and they clean up the job site. <laughs> it wasn't anything about it. they took the tree down beautifully. <laughs> you know, it was all about, you know, the, the fact that, that the experience of working with them didn't inconvenience me because that's been my experience with other businesses like this. But we have to really understand that that's the problem in many ways that this tree service was solving to differentiate themselves. And as hard as it may be for us to, you know, we want to talk about how we're amazing arborists and, you know, all of our craftsmen, you know, doing the work. But in the end, the homeowner uh, believes anybody can cut a tree down if they've got a saw. And so it's just now how, you know, how my experience is going to be, how convenient it's going to be. Am I going to like their people? You know, that's the problem that we're solving. And we need to articulate that. So, John, how do we get to that? I mean, because the people that listen to this podcast, there are a bunch of lawyers that do different practice areas, and some, yeah. some are estate planning, some are injury lawyers. Like, how, how do you get to that problem? Like, how do you find out what that is for your clients? Well, what we do, uh, there are two methods that we use. Um, one we've used just before we had the Internet. <laughs> we interviewed our customers. You know, what what do they really do? Well, they provide good service. Okay, well, tell me a story about a time they provided good service. And then you start hearing themes repeatedly that, you know, are what they differ, how they differentiate. And I got to tell you, especially in the service businesses, I mean, we sell air, right, in the service businesses. And it's it's always about the experience, about how that company or that experience made them feel that is the big differentiator, particularly in a lot of industries where, you know, let's face it, people don't return phone calls. They don't do what they promised. I mean, the bar sometimes is pretty low. So when we find somebody who exceeds our expectations, 
a lot of times we're willing to really talk about it and we're willing to stick with them. Increasingly, uh, we mine reviews today. If, if a company's got 25 five-star reviews, I can almost guarantee you I can find what their core message should be above the fold on their website because it's going to be in those reviews. People who turn voluntarily to a medium like, like Google Reviews or Facebook or it escapes me now. I know there's one for attorneys <laughs> to review attorneys as well. Alvo, there we go. That uh, the words that are contained in those reviews quite often, you know, are, are real signals to what this comp the problem <laughs> that this company is really solving. I totally love that quote about how we're selling air and that you know we're not really there to convince people. We just have to figure out what it is, how we can help them. Another quote that I really liked out of your book that I've come back to a lot and that we talk to a lot of our members about is. Price, as I suspect you've learned, is a terrible place to compete. There will yeah. always be someone willing to go out of business faster than you. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've used that quote speaking to a group, and it takes about five or six seconds for them to go, oh, I get it. <laughs> but but that's, that is the case. You know, it's a race to the bottom if, if you're competing on price. And unfortunately, a lot of us don't do it intentionally. It's just we don't differentiate ourselves. So what's the customer left to do? Well, how much are you? You know, how much are you? Okay, that's the only way I can make a decision. And like I said, I mean, my real point of that is, you know, it seems like, and I mean, I see it everywhere. It's gotten, it's gotten even worse now that we've got, we basically are competing with people globally, you know, for, for our services. And uh, so, you know, there's always going to be somebody who, uh, who uh, will take less money. So, John, let's talk a little bit more about just the setup of the book, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur. It's your next <laughs> book. It's 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 sure. really awesome. I, I like the setup of it because it has things like challenge questions and all that. So, but but what was the what was the inspiration for this book? Well, so so first we need to maybe really set it up. It's 366 daily entries. Follows a calendar, you know, so you get one page a day is kind of the format. You know, Jim's got it on video there if you're watching the video. Every day starts with a quote from some mid-19th century literature. We can talk about why I chose that, but I think it's some of the best entrepreneurial writing. Then I just share my thoughts based on my 30 years of, of doing this and then end you every day with a question to try to give you something to think about. So what I wanted to do is a couple things. First off, I've worked with thousands of entrepreneurs. And what I've come to realize, especially in this day and age, is all the how-to information is there. You know, Google it. You'll find a YouTube video for just about anything you want to know how to do. But where the real challenge remains is in the why to do, what to do, uh, the mindset element of showing up every day, following your dreams, staying focused, trusting your gut, you know, trusting that, that you're on the path, even if you see other people doing things that, that seem to be uh, more successful than you. Um, and that takes, uh, to me, that takes a daily practice. And, and it's something that I've really done in my life for 20 years is, you know, I think entrepreneurship is one of the greatest personal development programs, you know, ever created. Um, but if we aren't intentionally doing things like, you know, getting centered in the morning, you know, reading stuff that kind of, you know, inspires us, uh, meditating, exercise, journaling, you know, all, all the things that a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, uh, do today, you know, it's just so easy to get knocked off course. So, what this book is set up to be is, is kind of a daily practice that you're not going to take it on vacation and read the thing cover to cover. You know, you're just going to show up and it's just going to be part of your daily routine and, and hopefully give you something to think about, maybe to work on uh, for that day. And, and I think that, you know, you come back the next day and do a little more <laughs> the next day. It's not, you know, something that, that you just, uh, you know, put in an intensive course on. 
So this summer I I listened to some old Earl Nightingale, and then this fall ah. I read I reread Think and Grow Rich, and those are all in from the 1900s. I was yeah. struck when I got the Self Reliant Entrepreneur about how all the quotes were from the 1800s, and I'm just wondering a why did you choose to do that? And B, how did you research all these great quotes? <laughs> so the thing about that writing, like you mentioned, Earl Nightingale um, and Napoleon Hill, and they were writing inspirational, you know, entrepreneur, you know, follow your dream, you know, you can succeed kind of content. What I did is I, I mined uh, literature that was written in the mid-19th century that was not written to entrepreneurs. It was not written with that message in mind at all. But I love finding things and, and actually putting that entrepreneur context or marketing context. I read books on architecture and I can find some, some pearls of wisdom for, for marketing. And so uh, with that period of time, because if you think about what was going on in America at the time, we were on the cusp of the Civil War. Women were marching in the streets to get the right to vote. Uh, we were trying to abolish slavery. It was kind of the first counterculture period in America where a lot of writers you know, their form of the first form of reform was to write about the, the idea that maybe we shouldn't listen or don't need to listen to our preachers or teachers or politicians or parents. Even maybe what we need to do is is follow our own heart. And and I think that, again, if you go when you go through this book, it was not just the overt people like Thoreau and Emerson that a lot of people are familiar with, but even the fiction from that time, you know, Moby Dick, Scarlet Letter, Little Women was the first time in American fiction or American literature that you started seeing the protagonist who, you know, was was saying, hey, this may cost me in the end, but I've got to stay true to who I am. And I just think that still today, that's some of the best entrepreneurial advice uh, that, that you can give. And so I went deep into this and there's a lot of authors that I found and and publications that I found, journals and letters, collections of letters and things that many people are not familiar with. A lot of female authors uh, that, that certainly didn't get a lot of exposure in that time period. And I just think it makes a, a really interesting collection for today's entrepreneurs. So, John, this is actually a really good segue because I think most of us, whenever we think of, you know, marketing and advertising and how it's changed over the, over the years, we think, you know, about 30 to 50 years back. We don't think that far back. So yeah, I'm just curious, like over time, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. You've researched, you, you've, you've looked at a lot of different quotes and read a lot of things. Are there certain principles, base, basic marketing principles that have never changed? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think the objective of what we're all about in our businesses has changed at all. The biggest thing that's changed is the is the buyer's journey, the way that, you know, the buyer is able to now access us information and you know, obviously the global reach. But in the end, we're just trying to get people to trust us enough to allow us to solve their problems. I don't think that's ever changed. That's always been the goal pretty much of every business. It's always been the goal of pretty much every buyer is to connect with that company or that product or that service that can help them solve their problems, help them achieve what they want to achieve. And, and actually, I sometimes think that all the noise of technology and this platform, that platform, this social network, that social network, I think sometimes that gets in the way of, of, of people realizing what the ultimate objective is. The ultimate objective is is to meet with somebody and, and gain enough trust and solve their problems. That's it. And I think, I think if you look at things under that lens, um, you wouldn't see so many people doing silly things in the name of marketing. We'll pause for a moment with, for a word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsor, Smith AI. Smith AI is a superior receptionist service for law firms, trusted by many maximum lawyers, including me. 
At my immigration practice, the hacking law practice, Smith's friendly U.S.-based receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish, screen and schedule new leads, and even take payment for our consults. The best part is that they don't just handle these conversations by phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on our website through their chat widget. They serve as our friendly gatekeepers while my team and I work uninterrupted. We get new clients and we get work done. How awesome is that? If you're in a solo or small firm, I know you'll appreciate this. Plans start at just $70 a month for calls and $100 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like me say Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth. Smith AI offers a free trial and maximum lawyer listeners get an extra $100 discount with promo code MAXLAW100. That's M-A-X-L-A-W-1-0-0. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say don't let another day go by, try Smith AI. We're talking today with John Janch. He's the author of the new book, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, 366 Daily Meditations to Feed Your Soul and Grow Your Business. It's a beautiful book. I highly recommend you pick it up, especially John John and I were talking on Twitter about, I was like, oh, I'm going to wait till January 1st to start. And John's like, no, you can start right now. So I actually have started working on it. John, I remember listening to your podcast, and I still listen to your podcast regularly. I remember listening to it early on, and you had talked about the power of podcasts. And this morning, Tyson and I were recording a little episode on, on how podcasting is such a valuable way to meet people and how it's a great calling card when you want to meet someone who you sort of look up to like we look up to you. So can you talk to our listeners a little bit about your experience podcasting and and, and how it's helped you grow? Sure. Well, so I, I actually uh, started dabbling in podcasting in 2005. It was kind of the new toy that came up after blogging. I, you know, I, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I saw it as a way to be a member of the media. Uh, now I could uh, reach out to people that I wanted to talk to who maybe had a book coming out and I could say, I want to interview you. I want to promote your book. And I, I got that meeting every time, <laughs> you know, and uh, that still happens, I think, today. And, you know, I've been doing it for a long time. It's a revenue stream for us. We have a large following. It's built, helped build the brand. All those things are really positive things. But I would do it and, and did do it, you know, before I had any listeners because of the way that allowed me to connect. I actually, you know, a lot of your listeners are law firms. If, if there's, if, let's say you're a lawyer and your work is primarily with construction firms, you should be interviewing CEOs of you know, mid-sized and large construction firms on your podcast, some of whom might actually be prospects. But either way, you're going to build that library. You're going to make connections. You're going to build that library of amazing content that your your ideal client probably wants to listen to as well because they want to hear their peers, you know, talk about their success. So, you know, you don't have to think about podcasting the way you see people doing it today with ads and, you know, trying to build big followings and things. I mean, if you have 10 listeners and eight of them are the right ones, then a podcast is an amazing idea. And, and the good news is the technology and all the tools that we have now available have just made it so much easier to do. It, it was a lot of work in the early days to, you know, get the files, edit the files, host the files, and then and then show people how to listen <laughs> to it because we didn't have all these apps on our phones and things like that. But today, you know, pretty much anybody who's got a, a smartphone is is a podcast listener now, whether they you know whether they know it or not. They've got the app on there, and um, you know, to platforms like Spotify are you know reaching out across you know music to podcasting and connecting those things. Every 
media publication, you know, the NPRs of the world now are, are doing all of their programming in podcast format as well. So it's just audio content has just become a tremendous way to tap, you know, consumer behavior of wanting to listen to content, uh, but also to, I think, it adds the value of kind of having that trust feeling. You know, I hear people all the time when I, they'll, they'll run into me, you know, speaking at an event and they're like, oh, I knew it was you because, you know, your voice, it's in my head. You know, I've been listening to you for years. But that's that's hard to do in the written word. You know, Joe, what's weird about podcasting to, to, to me is that I remember listening to podcasts in 04 and 05 and being thoroughly disappointed because there wasn't a lot out there. And it's taken yeah. so long for it to catch on. It's really fascinating to me. Like, what do you think that is? Because it's a, it's a huge thing right now. But what took so long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, the last five years have just been straight up. I think what happened was one of the things I mentioned, it was you kind of had to be a techie you know, person to even be able to listen. You know, we didn't have the apps on the phones and things. You had to you had to download and subscribe to a podcatcher, we used to call them, to to listen to, you know, somebody's podcast. The audio quality was terrible. You know, there were in a lot of cases there, you know, there weren't any, you know, there was no production going into them. You know, a lot of times it was just, you know, somebody talking into their their camera or their mic or something. But also I think another thing that kind of uh, slowed the growth is that uh, social media came right on the heels of that. You know, 2006, 7, 8 is when all of a sudden Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook opened up in 2008 to the public. And that became the new shiny thing. And I think that that kind of pushed podcasting aside for a while. Um, and it was really only about, I don't know, 11, 12 or so that people started getting right back into it again. And one of the impetuses for that was uh, um, Apple decided we're going to put the podcast app, you know, natively on the iPhone. I don't remember what year exactly that was, but that was really the start of the explosion of, of you know, the second wave of podcasting. John, as a, a student of marketing and someone who tracks it and watches it, I'd love to hear an outsider's opinion of what do you think is the state currently of law firm marketing? I thought you were going to ask me when I was talking about my book being, you know, 366 uh, meditations to feed your soul and grow your business, that we were going to talk about whether or not lawyers had a soul. Um, but <laughs> Hey, now. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, what obligatory lawyer joke had to I be in the it. show. Didn't I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's come a long way. I had, um, I had a client that was a big producer in a major, major law firm by like 300 lawyers. And they gave him license. He was a partner, and they gave him license to go out and do his own thing. So he hired me to turn him into an expert. And, uh, you know, I had him blogging. I had him interviewing people, like you said, in the construction. That was the actual example I was citing uh, in the construction industry. And it just made his practice absolutely explode. And it so much to the point where his partners actually said, you got to start reining this in. You're making this look bad. <laughs> now, I think that that's, an, you know, that was, that was what, 10 plus years ago, more than that, about 12, 15 years ago. But I think, I think that, you know, the, the industry still lags behind in my experience um, in many ways. But I do think that the content element, you know, of, there used to be this, we can't tell them all of our secrets or they won't hire us <laughs> kind of mentality, um, which has definitely shifted now to, no, we need to educate. You know, we need to be out there. We need to be doing video and, and audio. Uh, so I think they've certainly come a, come a long way in that, you know, regard. All right, John, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not sure you're going to be able to answer it, but I'm just, I'm just curious. So, you know, 04, you were doing podcasting and it's, it's finally exploding. 
is there something now in 2019 that in, in 15 years or so you're going to say, I should have got into that 15 years ago? <sighs> 15 years from now, I am going to uh, be sitting in my mountain cabin, not really pondering uh, the state of Internet uh, marketing. However, I, I don't think there's any new like big platform out there. Like social media was, was really a departure <laughs> you know, from anything we had done before. I don't think there's any just departure left. What I do think is uh, all of these things that we're doing, we're gonna see uh, them mature. You know, everybody's been talking about AI for four or five years. We're not there yet. <laughs> you know, that, in fact, I, I think the, the jury's still out on whether or not that's actually going to be as useful as people uh, have implied. But I do think that some of the, the ways in which people distribute and consume content, video and audio, you know, right now, if, if I were, you know, if I were jumping into this thing starting all over again, I wouldn't start a blog, a written word blog per se. Um, I would definitely go 100% into producing video and audio content to put in, you know, a lot of the, the different live streaming uh, places that, that people put, um, you know, content. I, I would invest very heavily in YouTube. Um, in terms of, of, you know, not just producing content there, but getting that content to show up in search. I think that <clears throat> we're going to find a time in the not too, too uh, distant future where uh, searches on YouTube, the volume of searches on YouTube match or mirror the volumes of searches uh, on Google. John, do you think it's too late for people to get into video? No, not at all. Not at all. I think we're still on the cusp. I mean, if you want to be like the, you know, 100,000 or 100 million, you know, views, influencer, viral person, you know, maybe it's late. But the beauty is that the behaviors there now, and I think industries that maybe lag behind some of that have a real advantage because consumers want that content. So if you're a, a law firm or you're a modeling contractor right now, you know, don't go on YouTube so you can be the next YouTube sensation. Go on there because people are looking for content there and you can be a, an early adopter in some industries uh, to, to, to be there. So John, do you have any other books that are on the horizon? Are you working on anything else that uh, <laughs> we want to tell people about? Well, I, I, I will tell you that in 2020, uh, a a substantially revised duct tape marketing is coming out, and and in fact, it uh, um, we're probably we're going to add something to the name like duct tape marketing, uh, you know, reapplied or something like that, <laughs> because that the, the awesome. change is going to be pretty substantial. That's awesome, John. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what your business is now. You know, has it yeah. grown? I know you have people that you work with, your team. Talk <laughs> to us a little bit about your setup. Sure. So. In one sense, we operate as a traditional marketing consulting firm. We have small businesses that um, engage my firm to help them develop strategy and then implement almost as a, an outsized marketing you know, department uh, all of the elements of, of marketing that we build into a plan. We also have a, a network of independent marketing consultants that, that use our same methodology and, and collaborate with each other. Um, we have about 150 of them around uh, the world, and, and they – you know, all worked out with dozens of small businesses installing the duct tape marketing system as well. I still do, you know, the, the speaking, the writing, the podcasting, uh, my books, you know, are, are still a pretty significant part from a revenue stream, but also just from a brand, you know, building uh, sense as well. We are uh, in 2020, um, in addition to, as I said, uh, a substantially revised duct tape marketing, I think there's a real gap in the market uh, for, training of marketing professionals to work in small businesses. 
for a lot of small business owners go out and hire a lot of small law firms, you know, go out and hire that marketing assistant. And then there's really nobody at the firm who knows how to tell them what to do. Um, and so they're left kind of floundering a lot of times. And so I think, uh, well, we are um, introducing something we're called a certified marketing manager. That is a, a role that we're going to be able to reach out to businesses and say, look, let us train your staff. We have this network of consultants. We'll actually work with them, not just train them, but, you know, we'll help them build your marketing plan. And if they've got, you know, we'll coach them to implement that marketing plan. Because I think that there's a lot of people trying to uh, get into the, uh, we'll teach you how to be a digital agency world. But I think, so we're, you know, our kind of innovation, because we've been in that space a long time, our innovation now is going to be to go into the, the training and certification and maybe even placement so that we can actually go out to a firm and say, okay, you need a dedicated marketing person. We've got a person we've certified that will embed, you know, in your firm, and then we'll manage that person as a, as a coach or consultant. I, I think the market is ready for that model. I, I absolutely love that. And I, I think there's a lot of listeners to this show that are actually that you just struck a chord with them. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it's like this aha moment. So I think yeah. you're going to have a lot of a lot of people that that are that are going to like that. Uh, I yeah, do want to be respectful. No, I'm just we are going to let you plug it, though. Uh, at the end of this. I, but I, I do want to want to be respectful of your time. So I'm going to start to wrap things up before I do. I want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group, get involved there. Make sure you also register for MaxLawCon 2020. And before I get to Jimmy's Hack of the Week, go ahead, John, and make that pitch. How do people get in, in touch with you? Sure. Well, if you want to find out a look at what I've been doing for the last 20 years or so, it's just uh, ducttapemarketing.com, D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E, marketing.com. And if uh, our little conversation about the self-reliant entrepreneur had any appeal, just uh, selfreliententrepreneur.com, and you can find uh, – a lot more information, a bunch of interviews like this that I've done uh, as well. Awesome. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? I've recommended a lot of podcasts on this show, but I've never re uh, recommended duct tape marketing. But I'll do that right now because it was the podcast that helped me get up to speed, learn my lessons. Get, I mean, I didn't know anything about marketing when I started, when I read that book. Seth Godin and John Jansch and Dean Jackson, those are the guys that I followed. Those are the guys that got me on the path to all that. You guys know how obsessed I am now about marketing. But a long time ago, I was right there not knowing Jack Squat. So thanks to John for coming on the show and right, listen yeah. to his podcast every week. John, so we always ask our, our guests to give a tip or a hack of the week. Do you got something for <laughs> us that, we, that you can tell our guests, our listeners? Yeah, well, I'm not a big fan of hacks myself. You know, I think you got to put in the work and mature things over time. So I, I will lean more towards a tip. And, and we've talked a lot about it. If you're not producing audio content, and that can be a podcast, or that can just be you talking into a microphone and, and uploading that content somewhere, there's so many benefits. First off, we talked about the trust building benefit of it. We talked about the portability of it. People can take it with them, you know, whatever they're doing, you know, jogging, walking the dog. But you can also get that stuff transcribed. And now all of a sudden you've got written content as well. I don't know about your listeners, but a lot of small business owners, I'm guessing a lot of attorneys can talk a lot, <laughs> um, can tell stories, can explain complex things in simple ways. Get that recorded and then transcribe it and, and all of your woes about, oh, how do I produce all this content will go away. 
I love it. And John, without even knowing it, you, that means you're on my team. It's Tyson's tip and hacking's hack, but you giving a tip, that means you're automatically on my team. So uh, <laughs> that, that's awesome. All right. So my tip of the week, I was going to, I was actually going to give a tip for another book, but I'm not going to do that with you being on here. So I'm actually going to promote your book, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, 366 Daily Meditations to Feed Your Soul and Grow Your Business. It's pretty awesome. I've I obviously haven't read the entire book because it's, it's, it's a daily reflection thing, but from what I've seen, it's been awesome. Uh, I really, really recommend it. I'm guessing you can get it on Audible, Amazon, iTunes, wherever. That's right. That's uh, right. But so, but I'll give you the last word, John. Thank you so much for coming on. And I, I got to say this. I, I truly mean this. Like You are one of mine and one of Jim's heroes. So, so it's so awesome having you on, but I'll let you have the last word. Well, just I just appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, I would tell people if, if you've got listeners – uh, that uh, that need help with marketing, just reach out to us, uh, or at least have a conversation about you know the the strategic part of marketing as opposed to just all of the the, the tactics. And feel free to send me an email at uh, john at ducttapemarketing.com. Thanks, John. Awesome. All right, really cool. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, go to maximumlawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.